Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To start, I apologize in advance for the length of this story. I want to firmly make sure that I do not care if it is believed or not. If you cannot believe it, well, I can only say... I understand, and I wouldn't believe it myself if I hadn't experienced it. This was three years ago. I was doing postgraduate study which concerned Aboriginal communities. I was allowed a placement in the Yungu town of Raminjining in Arnhem Land, which is a tiny strip of halfway urbanized land that borders the huge fuck-off bog which is rather kindly called Arafura Swamp. The swamp is probably one of the most wild places in Australia. Imagine a country-sized swath of perpetually decaying forest, flooded in a stagnant, foul-smelling water plain, and with crocs a real danger. My place was basically a shack, and it was right at the edge of the swamp. It was technically not within the town limits, and actually sat a good couple of miles away along a dirt road. It was an abandoned country house, and I had it all to myself. The back had a veranda that looked out over the great black swamp. There were some very impressive views come dusk. And on either side, it was enclosed in a dusty circle of eucalyptus. Now, I knew literally no one out there. And I won't lie when I say it was pretty creepy those first few weeks trying to acclimate to being more truly alone than I ever had before. In this rusty, old, tin shed of a house halfway out of town in a clearing at the edge of the swamp. But, adaptiveness is a virtue. And I soon found myself spending my spare time fixing up the place. And even planting seed out in the front and chopping some of the smaller trees down. I remember my pride as I felled a small tree for the first time, after hours of panting heat. When I went into town and sold off the wood, I told the folk there it had taken a lot less time than it really did. They were all really well accustomed to hard labor, and it was quite a culture shock when I took a dinner at homes that didn't have a television, let alone a computer. The people did not all live in exactly what would be termed poverty, as some places were wealthier than others in the typical sense, and there was a real effort at maintaining a distance from some norms of outer society anyway. For example, there was, and remains, a ban on booze that was taken fairly seriously while I was there. So, I was sober for a full year. Although many hearing my story have suggested I was drunk or high. The first month or so was rocky, but it was invigorating and really kept me going. As I've said, I struggled a bit with the isolation and having to spend my time doing things I never would. Like tilling the soil and chopping timber wood. But it was good detox and after a while, 
the smell of the swamp got less shit. At first, the sounds of the different birds and nightlife damn near kept me up at night, but in time, I learned to distinguish the birds and reptile noises and found comfort in them. On two occasions, I was lucky enough to hear the booming voice of a croc near the house. It was real back-to-nature shit, and by the second month, I really got into the swing of it and had adapted fully to having long periods of time alone with myself in the bush. It was some time this second month that it first happened, though at the time, well, I thought nothing of it. I was sitting on the back veranda on a very warm, crisp afternoon. I was reading, I think, when after some time I became aware of a strange silence. I had to strain my ears for a while, but soon I could confirm that there was only the sounds of a slight breeze, the soft movement of water, and the creak of my rocking chair. The usually all-enveloping choir of birds, bugs, and frogs had at some point subsided. As I registered this sudden silence, a feeling like no other crawled down me and I actually physically shuddered. It was like my bones were briefly frosted, and I was washed over with an internal coldness and a tingle throughout my body. I became very dizzy, and I thought I might vomit, so I stood up, and in the second that I put my head down, it happened, and was over before I could register what I had seen. Now, it's impossible how to describe how I must be perceived at the time. All I could say is that, I saw a nearby tree, a long thin white spear that stood some distance back from and beneath a couple of bigger ones. This tree, like many others, well, had shed its branches, leaving just the thin trunk standing upright. What I saw was this tree twitching rapidly, like it was having some fucking seizure, before wriggling into place and going still again. Now, no other tree nearby did the same thing. I doubted my own eyes. Dizziness forgotten, I stared at it for a long time. Not terribly scared, but not particularly comfortable either. I could not tell what I had seen and whether or not it was a side effect of a head rush or not. The tree just stood there, still as ever and I noticed the bird's song had come back and warmth returned to my body, and I forgot about it for a long time. I had gotten in with a school teacher in the area, and now spent three weekdays getting to talk to kids at the education center, so I was spending less daylight hours at the house. On those swamp plot dusks, I would tend to sit on the veranda and have a quiet smoke, maybe read until night came. As summer was turning into whatever season came next, this cycle was not very pronounced in that region, which remains humid most of the year, I noticed an increase in insects. Now, I don't mind bugs, but I think everyone is slightly creeped out by those long-legged flying crane flies, but in that area they're called daddy longlegs. I remember sitting at the veranda and seeing for the first time a great swarm of the things, maybe just hatched, 
forming great clouds against the orangey light of the sky. The crane flies in the swamp got so big, you could hear them rustling against each other. And, well, that's no exaggeration. These things could be meters away, and you could hear the vibration sound of their wings. As I say, I'm not too afraid of bugs, but when I went to take a piss in the middle of the night, the toilet was a bit of an outhouse, and find myself in a cramped space with a gull-sized crane fly buzzing around the light, occasionally bumping into me and feeling my body with its long, horrible legs. Well, I was a tad on edge. The other bug, which began to cause me some anxiety, was some kind of mollusk, like a barnacle which would appear in clumps on the water edge after it had been raining. Now these things weren't particularly creepy, but they worried me because they grow rapidly and would often spread to the steps on their veranda. I'd asked the local fisherman how to remove them, and he went into his truck and returned with a metal paint scraper. So I added the job of scraping these little barnacle things off the old wooden steps. It was not fun experiencing their reddish interior bodies, the way they peeled off like a hard-shelled scab, and the truly noxious smell. Aside from the growing presence of the insects inside and outside the house, well, I was keeping well. I kept clearing the area of weed plants and chopping down little trees to sell in the town. As well as insects, the seasonal change had brought a tide of litter in the water, which I was told happened every year. More and more clumps of old plastics and bottles and crap was accumulating in a line of detritus outside the house. I started picking it up in the mornings, keeping the water clean while I was there. It was as I did this one morning that, for whatever reason, I chose to look directly up at that old white tree I'd briefly freaked out over, and I saw that it was not there. At first, I was more confused than frightened. I paced the waterline, convinced I had mistaken where it was placed. But no, there was no mistake. Everything about the area looked as it always had, clear in my mind from many evenings study. All but that little tree, where now there was just a bare spot of land. I had no time to think of it, but as I spent the day teaching, I more and more dreaded the return home. I even tried to arrange for a couple of friends I had made to come over that night, but they insisted on postponing till the weekend. So I drove home alone that night, and when I got back, it was full dark. The evening calls of the owls and swamp birds gave me a little comfort. I couldn't shake the image of that shivering tree. I had no reason to think anything of it, nor what it might mean but the image, like a horrible glitch in reality, pestered me no matter how much I tried to distract myself. And you know, I'll... Never forget that night, as I lay wide awake in the dark, hearing outside my window this sound, this slow, drawn-out creak and cracking noise. I'd heard it before, 
one sound of the forest out of many, but on this night, it pierced my frayed nerves. I lay there for a long time listening to it. It sounded like some kind of rickety pole, or swaying barely inches from my window. I was... well, I was too shit-scared cowardly to look out that window. So I examined the patch of moonlight it cast on the floor. And I could see so many moving things. The limbs of the trees and the wind. That was impossible to make out anything else. And then, with total clarity, I heard this dreadful noise. Tap. Tap, tap. Against the glass. There was no mishearing it, no denying it. As plain as day, there was something tapping the glass just above my head. Now, there was no tree growing near the window, nor even a bush or anything else for that matter. I frantically tried to think up contrived reasons. Maybe the guttering had fallen loose and was tapping on the glass in the wind, or it was one of those crane flies hitting the glass. But I couldn't bring myself to look, and I laid there, rigid, pretending to be asleep. I waited like this for about 20 minutes before the noise faded. It took me a while to work up the nerve to look out, but of course, when I did, there was nothing there. After a while, it was easier to convince myself that it actually had been something normal, that it was just a minor thing, and I got to sleep. The next day was particularly bright. It was that kind of heat which is thick and palpable in the air, which is saying something given the usual weather. In a way, my memory of the day, revisited so many times, is saturated in heat. Like how a photo gets dimmed over time when it's left in the light. When first I got up, it was just another day. The events of the previous night and the odd tree were forgotten as I went through the automatic morning rituals. It hadn't really gotten hot yet, and everything was nicely lit. The view of the swamp was gorgeous. The sun behind the canopy seemed to frost every leaf with gold. There was an upswell of bird noise. I saw a couple of birds out looking for frogs or lizards, anticipating the heat of the day. Now, I worked a lot on my studies in the morning. After a few too many coffees, I came down with that overstimulated restlessness. I couldn't focus on work anymore, continuously looking out the window and finding chores to do. The view out of the window was especially appealing. The caffeine and the brightness projected everything in rich detail. Seeing some rubbish on the shoreline, I convinced myself to dredge it out. And so, happily, I went down to the water and mucked about the little islands and rivulets, picking up the junk that had floated in overnight. Or maybe some had just been bobbing there for a long time before I came. It was hard to tell. I was stacking it up into a little pile of gunk. Now this is when some strange things happened, all in one moment. I noticed the bound book, half buried at a detritus bank around the shoreline. Consciously, I picked it out of the rest, having a feeling about it. And so I crack it open. It's a bit encased in mud. And I opened up a couple of pages. 
It was the annual collected issues of a business journal. And there were lots of different issues with covers and stuff. It seemed business-oriented. At the back, however, was a list of the year's grants. That included scholarships for university work. Scrolling the list of scholarship grants, I saw mine in plain delight. My name. Now, I haven't told this story to many people, but whenever I do, they seemed unimpressed by this fact. I mean, of course it was there. I did have a scholarship, and it was a business journal with a list of scholarship grants. I know, and I'm not saying it was paranormal necessarily. But, understand how weird it felt to be the furthest you've ever been from home. Pick a random book out of the water, and you see your own name in it. Now, regardless of how stupid it was, I shivered. I closed the book and put it in the junk pile. Then I stood to get up, and I saw a man standing on the other side of the stream watching me. Now, already a little unsettled, I nearly fucking shat myself when I saw him. It wasn't just that I hadn't seen a single other person on the property since I'd been there. It wasn't just that he was standing there, silently looking at me. He was also standing half behind the trunk of a tree. 